Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, hey. Ooh, that wasn't pretty. So I'm, we're back and we're black. I'm Tiffany. I tried it. <laughs> I it may not always work, but trying is important. Yeah, I don't have the range. She doesn't have the range. Hello, <laughs> happy Brown Ambition Wednesday. Yes, it is. Except I'm mad at Bank of America. Oh, I mean... Who isn't? But why in particular are you upset at Bank of America? <laughs> I, I, so I have a, a credit card. I know people are like, Bank of America, why, Tiffany? Bear with me. It's it's my first credit card I ever got when I was like 18. So, you know, I'm trying to keep my credit history, um, part of my credit, um, to, you know, like up and running. And I really don't use it often. Um, but I was like, you know what? Um, I wanted to buy, I had to, I had to get tile for the kitchen. And I was like, oh, you know what? I didn't have any other card on me. I was like, you know, I'm just going to use my Bank of America card. My, my contractor was like, we need to tile ASAP. Ordered it. 14th, it was supposed to be delivered. It didn't come. So I go on, um, you know, like homedepot.com. And it says, you know, yes, your order was canceled. And I'm like, cancel? I didn't. My order was successfully canceled. I didn't cancel. So it turns out Bank of America was like, mm, who this? But here's the thing. Normally, I'd be like, yay, did the right thing. But Mandy, I called them the day I used it because I said, you know what? This might look like fraud. Hi, Bank of America. My name is Tiffany. I have all the pertinent information you need. Mm. I'm about to use my card for a tile. Is everything good? Everything's good, Tiffany. I don't I don't understand. <laughs> you so, should have called the robots because, you know, the robots <laughs> are the one that do the. Do the... You know, I was so pissed because I was that like, sucks. and so now, I mean, now it's not coming until like this Thursday or Friday, but I was so pissed because he's like, it holds everything up, you know? Yeah. Um. So yeah, it just was just really like annoying because I, I have not been able to. So it was like two things. One, they canceled that order. And for the last three months, for some reason, I cannot make, I don't use my card often, but I cannot make a, a payment online. When I go to click it, it says. You cannot make a payment online. Call Bank of America. And I called them and they're like, we don't know why you can't make a payment online. I'm like, well, here's the thing. I don't work for Bank of America. I need you to figure it out. <laughs> and they have, yet to, they have yet to figure it out after three months. So I was so frustrated. I think her name was like Karen. I was like, look, Karen, I know it's not your fault, but you're about to get my venting. One, I didn't get my tile. Two, I have to make payments via the phone like it's 2001. Karen, why? And she was like, honestly, I don't know. So to this day, I still can't make, um, cause I was going to go pay off my tile. I still can't make a payment online. I have to call in and be like, Hey, you know, put this down for the tile. It's just like, you know, frustrating. That's why I was like, I literally said, why is this, why do you guys even have a card if you can't use it or pay it off in a, in a 
you know, in a way that's that's easy for the client. And she was like, I can understand your frustration. Then I felt bad because I don't like, you know, I don't like uh, turning up on um, customer support people. It's not like they own the company, you know. It's bad karma. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm sorry, Karen. I'm just a little frustrated. She's like, no, I know. It's fine. I'm like, no, it's not. But thank you anyway. So by the end, I was like, okay, bye, Karen. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah, I really so. screwed up my average age of credit. I let, first of all, I think I, I had also had an old Bank of America credit card. The first card I got when I moved to New York, because of course, no one was here for my little Georgia credit union in New York. <laughs> <laughs> there were no ATMs for me. <laughs> So I got a B of A card and I, um, I recently, I, I, you get notices in the mail when, when you're about to hit the mark where they're going to close the card because you haven't used it in so long. Did not take my own advice. Cause I just didn't want to have a bunch of random bills connected to cards that I have in random accounts and stuff. And I never signed up for, you know, to have one bill charged to that account and pay it off each month, which is the right thing to do. You should totally do that. I didn't <laughs> follow my own advice. So anyway, of course the letters were going to, cause I keep moving. I'm finally done moving for a while, but <laughs> They were going to the wrong address and blah, blah, blah. Long story short, that account got closed. And then I've been opening zero, not been opening, like I've opened a bunch, but I've opened a couple cards recently um, <clears throat> related to the house reno, 0% financing and stuff like that. And now my average age is all out of whack and my credit score is like down. And I'm just like, mm. oh, well, at least I'm done applying for stuff now. I have time to, to bring know, it back up, recover a little bit. But I was like, damn, it's real. <laughs> it is. History is real. A dream, um, a dream catcher wrote, she's like, I paid off my car and then my credit score fell. And it was like, yes, welcome to the world of doing the right thing and getting punished by it. <laughs> um, no, but the good thing is, is that like, you know, you, you, there's a dip, but then it goes back up because ultimately you paid off a debt. But, um, yeah, when you lose credit history, I think people don't realize that like, yes, there's a potential for losing some points, but, uh, it, to me, people freak out about credit scores so much, but it's really not as important unless. You know, you're looking to buy a home, you're looking to rent or buy a car. Like if you don't have any plans for your credit for like a, a year or so, then you typically have time to bring it up to what you need to bring it up to. But so like, cause I see sometimes like, you know, I have the dream catcher group. People will drop like three or four points and be freaking out. I'm like, well, I mean, are you buying something? Please. Like I could see if like, go ahead. I said, please three to four points. Ex <laughs> for real, you just you'd be surprised. Dream catchers be like, my credit score fell four points. What should I do? I'm like, um But there's things that are just out of your control, you know. Time yep. for one thing is out yep. of your control. Um also if you're checking your credit score online from those like free tools, I mean they're all pulling your score from different places like or they may be pulling your credit history from different bureaus and that can make your score a little bit different. So, mm -hmm. chillax, so even, it's okay. Exactly. It's only, honestly, like, only right before you're about to, like, really close on your mortgage, then, yes, you have every right to freak out um, or, like, you know, like a car or something. But other than that, it's it's your credit is not as important as you likely think. It's Credit is really just, are you about to borrow? Let's see if you are credit worthy. Other than that, you can live your life. Live your life. I have heard, though, <laughs> if you're in some type of careers, they may use it as like a background check thing. True. Funny. They do. Lawyers. I can't forget a girlfriend of mine who um, got turned down for a job and they cited the background check as one of the reasons. I think she was in California. Yes. Yeah, it was like a job in finance or something. And it wasn't like she had a terrible credit history. They just gone through a rough time, you know, like anybody had, um, which is pretty crappy but that's also one thing to consider no you're right i've heard everyone from my mentee who's a lawyer she was scared that she wasn't gonna get a job because of her credit and i remember there's a woman she was she was either a truck driver or was working for like a truck 
driving agency and she wanted to become a supervisor or something like that. And she had to get her credit score up because they wouldn't let her. I know people who have been bank tellers. So it's, you're right. It runs the gamut of like, you know, there are certain companies that just look at your credit score and, and deem whether or not that you will be, I don't know whether it's like, um, whether you're going to be a good fit for the job or they're just looking for like, it's like an integrity piece, which I don't think is fair. I think it really depends on what the situation is. And you'd have to, if like, if I were an employer, you want to look at the nuance of it. If it's a medical bill situation, that should be treated totally different than someone who's got like 12 credit cards in the last two years and racked them all up and didn't pay them back. Um, you know, you would hope that they would give you a chance to defend whatever, because like stuff just happens. So the way that you can penalize someone for, you know, getting themselves into debt when good people get into debt every day. Every day. Every day, B. Every day. Um, <laughs> yours truly. Hello. Back in debt land. Um, uh, so let's talk about taxes, B. Let's hmm. talk about are you going to owe? Um, I know that's a weird transition, but i just question. been on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> mine too. Mine too. Yes. Let's talk about taxes. How are you feeling? Are you feeling scared? I feel a lot of people are scared online. Well, this is the first year when we're going to see the real impact of the tax reform law, which was signed into law at the end of 2017. All the new rules applied starting from 2018. And now that we're in 2019, we're finally paying taxes for 2018. And that's why mm-hmm. all of a sudden the ch- ch- changes are happening. So for a lot of people, for like, reg- you know, for, you know, average income people, I would say the biggest change might be that it may not make sense for you to um, do itemizing on your taxes this year. Because yeah. one of the big changes from tax reform is that they doubled the standard deduction, which is like when they say, before you even, you know, do your taxes, subtract this amount from your income, and you're not going to owe taxes on that, deduct it from your taxable income. And I think they doubled it for married couples to 24000 and for singles to 12000 That might be a big change. But if you didn't adjust your withholdings last year, like get hey. advice from an accountant, or go in and tweak your withholdings, because it did change slightly the tax brackets like what percentage of taxes you owe based on your income level. It did tweak that um, slightly for some people and more for others. And if you didn't alter your withholdings, like you could end up owing this year. Or on the flip side, you could end up getting a bigger refund than you expected. I don't know where I fall on this side of the equation. Last year I owed taxes, which sucked. But that was because, you know, I, I, well, I was fortunate in a lot of ways. And then I also got married and I didn't, I didn't change my withholdings soon enough. And okay. that kind of sucks. So I ended up owing. It sucked because it was like the week we had to put our final down payment on the house. And then also our tax bill fell the same week. Um, but that is, that is behind me now. Thank God we had the money to pay it off. Um, but this year I've, we just submitted our tax papers with our accountant. And I am just crossing my fingers and my toes, hoping I, I don't know anything. I'm holding my breath too because we um well I like when as a business owner I always owe uh, because it's rare that I pay my taxes quarterly so it's really rare for me to overpay because we're pretty careful who wants to give the government more money not I um because it's not like my taxes come out of a paycheck like I have to actually write a check and say here you go dusty government with your little money um you know, I, this is random, but I saw this meme. It says, money does, doesn't ever smell till to, to somebody owes it back. Here's your little funky $20. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so I, but here's the situation I'm in. It depends how the government is going to treat me. I'm either going to owe six figures for the rest of 2018. Meanwhile, I've already paid six figures in taxes for 2018, or I'm going to owe five figures. So the good thing is I have the five figures saved, but 
at the end of uh, 2018, I was telling my accountant, Carlos, Carlos, why do I own so much? This is crazy. And he, we were going through the businesses. So I've got the Budgetista, I've got the Literature Academy, and I've got the, um, I have this marketing business. And only one of the businesses, I take money out as like an owner's draw and like pay. And so, but he didn't know that. I guess I never told him. I'm always really bad at like letting Carlos know all of my financial life. Um, so I was like, it doesn't make sense. Why am I paying taxes from the Budgetista and this marketing company? But I didn't pull any money out because instead we've been reinvesting it back in the business. We've been paying staff. So, so, well, the Budgetista is mine, but the marketing company, I have a business partner, but I've been just really using the money to like grow because the Academy pays me enough. And he was like, I didn't know that you weren't taking money from those two businesses. That's the reason why you're, you feel like you owe so much in taxes because the government doesn't care because it was a, these companies were all an S-corp. Um, and so it's basically like your tax allocation. So the way the IRS looks at you. So the IRS says, hey, your business made, let's just say, $100,000. So you are gonna, your tax rate is, let's just say, 30%. You owe 30%. But the problem is, let's just say the budget needs to made 100000 and made more than that, right? So let's just say it made that. It's saying, Tiffany, you owe your 30%. But I'm like, I never withdrew that money from the budget So how do I owe taxes on it? And he was like, that doesn't matter if you're an S-corp. That instead, the budget needs to, and the, the marketing company should be C-corps. Because I said, well, what is what does um, Jeff Bezos do? I literally said that. What does Jeff Bezos do? Is he paying... 35% taxes on, uh, on you know, everything Amazon makes? He said, no, he's a, his Amazon is a C-Corp. I said, well, make me that. <laughs> I literally said that. <laughs> I'll have the like, Bezos special, please. <laughs> and he said, okay. And so I we applied for the marketing company and the budgetista to be C-Corp since I wasn't pulling money out. And then the um, academy is going to stay an S-Corp since I do pull money out. Um, and so... Everything was going fine because we've done this before. I've gone from LLC, which is another um, like um, another way the IRS can look at your company. I've gone from LLC to S Corp with Carlos, no problem. But the problem is Carlos applied and then the government shutdown happened. And so there was no way did we get approved, that we did not get approved, what's going on. And it's a difference between like it's like a hundred thousand dollar difference in taxes, which is crazy. Cause I don't have a hundred thousand dollars just random tax, like money that I didn't receive. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just hoping that, that, you know, now that the government is open back up again, that they will take into consideration that we applied on time. Um, and that it was because of the shutdown that like, you know, it wasn't done, uh, you know, you know, because it wasn't due to any fault of our own. So he since heard back and they basically said, proceed forward. Like you, like you got your C corp, you know, um, like, like, like we said, okay to it, but, um, we have so much to dig through that we're just gonna have to get to you and get to you. So I'm hopeful that they say yes, because I have the other money saved. Cause Carlos is really strict in that whenever I get paid as a business owner, I set aside 30%, 35% of what I make. And so I have the, what I would normally owe in taxes. I don't have the other part because I actually didn't earn that money. So if the government makes me pay that extra hundred thousand, I would just have to pull it out of the businesses to pay it, which sucks um, because that means it's not like, you know, I want to do raises this year. I want to do all these other things and I won't be able to do that because I'd have to pull money out the businesses. So uh, sometimes being a business owner, like honestly, if I can go back to young B, young budget Nista when I first started, 
Like I would tell her, girl, well, I, I always had Carlos, thank God. But I would tell her that, um, and this is for every business owner, your finance people are the most important people on your team. You don't need an admin. You don't need an intern. You don't need none of those people because you could do that yourself. But the finance component, once you start to make a little bit of money, that is going to be critical, whether it's a bookkeeper, whether it's like a, you know, like a, an accountant, and then you finally get your big CPA, like your finance people are everything because your money is your life's blood. And if I didn't have like Rachel, my CFO, Carlos, my like my my CPA for all the businesses, if I didn't have Leah Rowe, who's also on the finance team, like I don't know what I would do. I mean, it's a you know, that's a huge difference. Like one hundred thousand dollars is a huge difference. I mean, like I said, it wouldn't have to come out of my pocket pocket, but it's a difference between can I give my my staff raises. That's important to me, you know? So taxes, man, taxes. So they're listening like, so Tiff, you heard yet? You heard yet? You heard yet? <laughs> and they do listen. So I'm like, so just, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, they know I'm super transparent with them about like what's happening. So, I mean, but I feel fairly, fairly confident because we applied in time and I don't think that we'll be penalized for the government shutdown, but you just, you know, you know, I'm like, you just never, never know, you know? Well, I'd love for you guys to send us your tax questions, especially because I know you must have them or you must just be nervous or, or confused or concerned about tax taxes this year. So send us your questions. We're going to eventually have on a tax expert that TIFF has used in the Live Richer Academy um, several times before. So send us your questions ahead of that show. You can hit us up at brownambitionpodcast.com. Just okay. click ask us anything or shoot us an email at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Com. Yeah, tax questions are critical. So try to be as specific as possible because yes. uh, accountants will always tell you like, wait, but what about this? What about that? So def- definitely, you know, you can give us your fake names if you don't want like your, your mama and them to know you're asking a question. Specific, but, you know, also brief is good. Just, you yes. know, balance <laughs> is good. <laughs> balance ah, is good. Brevity is, what is it? There's a saying. It says, oh, what does it go? How does it go, Mandy? Brevity is the. Is the best. that's not the same somebody knows the brevity saying it's a famous saying it's like brevity is the soul i don't know see i think you're thinking of another word that i can't think of that's not brevity but it has like an it ity at the end of it i feel feel like you're right (laughs) yeah but it's not brevity but so take this riddle listeners and so (laughs) somebody (laughs) solve this puzzle But I know what you mean, because it is something. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Someone is listening right now like, <laughs> Tiffany, are you 85? I am 85. I am um, on too many cough syrups right now to, <laughs> to answer that. <laughs> the devil came for all of my head this weekend and is trying to snatch it. And I must hang on with every strength I have. Every yes. of your being. Well, with that said, since we're asking for questions, why don't we answer some questions? Well, I got to do a break for the ad. You got <laughs> to like cut it off. <laughs> but good segue. Good segue. Let's take a break real quick and then we'll come back and answer some questions. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. 
They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, now that we've asked you to send us some tax questions, why don't we just answer some of your questions from the mailbag? Yeah. Speaking of people being anonymous, we had one listener. Let's let's do her first because she was brave enough to give us first name and location. Hey, Candy in Baltimore. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> be more. <laughs> be more. She was so kind. She has a question for both of us. I'm not sure how she chose, but let's start with the one for Tiffany. So Candy says, Tiff. I'm trying to get my financial life in order, including paying off debt, saving an emergency fund, and saving for a future baby. I know my first step is to create a budget. What are your thoughts on budgeting per paycheck instead of budgeting on a monthly basis? Um, I guess I'm not really clear about budget. What do you mean by budgeting per paycheck? So I think instead of like creating your monthly expenses and like your monthly income and working out a budget from there, she's talking about like biweekly probably. So setting up oh. like a biweekly budget. Um, honestly, I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that here's the thing, um, that your budget should just for reflect a specific time frame. So that means if you are going to say biweekly, these are my expenses and you need to say biweekly, th- this is my earnings, you know, as far as take home pay. So to me, you know, I think I, at one point I was working somewhere where I was getting paid weekly. And so I was like budgeting, like, you know, I used to actually budget weekly because I was getting paid weekly, which was amazing. Um, so yeah, no, I don't have a problem with that. I think as long as you're clear about the time frame of money in and a time frame of money out, um, and if you're going to start saving, sometimes people want to wait until they have this whole convoluted budget. Mm-mm. If you know, I have about fifty hundred bucks left over. Go ahead on and open you. Go to magnifymoney.com. Go and find yourself an online-only bank. And just throw some money in there to get started and then start working on the actual mechanics of your budget that there is no um, there's no better, I guess, tool to, to budgeting than getting started. And so, like, I would just say, like, you know, start saving right away, automate that and then get back to your budget and figure out what you can actually technically save and make that a bill for yourself. Excellent. I see why she chose you for that one. <laughs> less con- I'm less sure about the next one, but I'll try and take it. So for me, Candy asks, I've been trying to break into the HR field for years. I went to college for psychology and minored in human resources. I worked in the benefits in, in the healthcare benefits industry for almost 10 years, but I can't seem to get my foot in. Any tips? I don't want to go through a temp agency route. Well, it definitely sounds like you've got the education and experience in that regard for a job in HR. I would say talk to people who are in the field, like just ask for 10, 20 minutes, if you know anybody um, who works in the field and ask them what they're looking for in like an entry level position. The only difficult thing might be that you may have to suck it up a little bit and take a job that's perhaps a little bit lower level. You've been in your job for 10 years now. So you're probably mid career, mid level um, position right now. 
But when you're trying to like pivot and break into a new field, it may mean coming in a little bit lower than where you're at now. And that just be that may be something that's worth it to you because you've always had a passion for this and really want to break in. But yeah, that'd be my biggest tip is to talk to people in the field, start trying to make connections because you're also kind of, you know, in a position where you're not necessarily working with people in the field you want to be in every day. And you've got to start building that network, start building that peer network, maybe at your mm -hmm. current company. I mean, it's kind of awkward going to HR <laughs> to tell them that, you know, I'm thinking about a career not in what I'm doing right now. But if, you know, I feel like human resources are meant to want to develop talent in-house. So see maybe if in the company you're in now, if they have any openings in HR or they can help you understand what it would take to get into the HR world um, and let that be known. And maybe they can um, crack open a door a little bit for you that maybe wouldn't have been opened otherwise. That's good advice, manager. Oh, thank you. Brought to you by Musinex. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm reading the question. <laughs> and it looks like because, you know, Mandy's sick and she's tacking up along. So either way, I'm here. Um, we actually have a question from across the pond. That's what Londoners and stuff say. Isn't that right, Mandy? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this question is from Chantel. And she uses very um, English um, language, grammar and stuff. So, you know, just follow along. I graduated university around 18 months ago, and I'm struggling to find a job that meets my skill set and qualifications. My current job requires two GCSEs. That's the UK equivalent to high school in the USA and is basic admin work. I think my issue may be one of confidence. I was the first in my family to go to university and was considered the clever one. I feel like I'm failing and it's constant. It's a constant source of anxiety and stress, which makes me feel less confident in applying for jobs. I would love to start my own business or side hustle, but I have no confidence. Can you share any wisdom or resources to help me get over this? Chantel, Chantel. Take a deep breath, my darling. My darling. Yeah. Sorry, I'm like, can't really talk. I'm like, what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> no, take um, a deep breath and relax a little bit and don't stress too much. So she's like putting a lot of pressure on herself from her what yes. she sees as her family's expectations. I will say this, Chantel. I'm not going to lie. When I first started um, my business, I didn't have much confidence um, in myself. But one thing I've learned about confidence is that it builds, it's like a building block. What I figured out was, is there one thing I did feel really good about? There's usually like at least one thing. And so one thing I knew that I was good at because I'd done it for 10 years is that I knew that I was a good teacher. I didn't believe in myself in any other way. I didn't think I could run a business. I didn't think about anything else. But I was like, Tiffany, you are a good teacher. The kids like you. They know how to read and write. And, you know, and so once I leaned into the fact that I was a good teacher, I started adding things on like blocks onto that one thing I knew for sure. And so that's what I encourage you to do, um, Chantel, is to ask yourself, what is the one thing you know for sure? I'm a good person. I'm really good at, you know, I'm personable. I'm fun. I'm friendly. I'm really good at typing. You know, I'm really, you know, I'm a really great drawer, whatever that looks like. Um, finding that one thing that you know for sure and then, you know, starting to build upon that one um, skill set or knowledge base or just talent that you have. And so that's my suggestion for starting to build confidence. Yeah, and the fact that she's so recently out of school and feeling like the work that she's doing isn't necessarily, you know, difficult enough for her, but she's she also says she lacks the confidence to apply for jobs because she feels like she has this anxiety and stress and doesn't feel confident. Go ahead and apply. You know, you hear 
studies that say that, you know, women are less likely to apply for certain jobs that they feel are too, require too much experience, while men are less likely to feel held back by that, you know, shoot, reach for the stars. Like, the worst thing that can happen is you don't hear back from them. But the best thing is that maybe you do hear back from someone because I read applications all the time. I'm always hiring and I'm always looking at people. And I do think maybe this person isn't good for this job, but what else do I have? Or is there another, you know, person I know in my company hiring who she might be a good fit for? Or is this someone who sounds like they have a good foundation that maybe we could bring them in at a junior level, even though this was for a mid, you know, level and try and train them up? You, you never know who's on the other side reading that application. So do your best and and really, you know, go for it in spite of your confidence. And I mean, I have built an entire career <clears throat> faking it till I make it, like mm. just pretending the hell out of life. You know, I walked into like my first interview for a personal finance for a journalist job. And I had like literally I just read the New York Times personal finance section that morning to figure out what I was going to say and just made it up and just really sold them all what I like what Tiffany said, focus on what I could do, which is write the hell out of anything, you know, mm. and be a good writer. And you have to walk in with a little bit of confidence in that and then, you know, let the other things fall into place or at least show them how passionate you are and that you can learn whatever they feel like you're lacking to do the job well. Yeah, I think Mandy and I both as people who kind of hire people that that you don't necessarily have to know how to do everything, but we both kind of look for people that we know are, are willing to at least try and learn. Like, you know, because there's going to be just new things that you're going to learn. So I'm always looking for someone who is um, going to make the extra effort, you know, is not going to be looking like, is that part of my exact job description? But they're like, they really go balls to the wall because I always say this, if you do right by me, I do better by you. And so I look for that. So you never know. You don't know have to know how to do everything. I do a lot of training because like so much of what, what I do at the Budgetista and that the team does, it's really specific to the company. So as long as you come with like a basic skill set and a willingness to work hard and to learn, then, you know, you'd be surprised how many people would be looking and would love to have you on their team. Exactly. And the job that you have now, you know, forget about it not matching your skill set or your qualifications. Like I took a job that, you know, I was three years too qualified for because it was during the recession and I had literally no choice. I just needed that job. And I worked my butt off. I did the best I, best I could. And I just kept looking. And when I had an opportunity to come across, you know, I got to leave. But you try to leave without burning bridges. And, you know, you still want good references. This is your first job, right? So try and make a good impression on your employers now so that when you do leave, you find a job that you really want to do, you can rely on them for, you know, a good reference and you're not burning any bridges on the way out. Yeah. Thank you for your question. Yes. See, I was going to speak in a London accent, but meanwhile, I don't even know what that accent was. It was British. Uh, British accent. You know, I always get confused about <laughs> Britain, Brit, British. Like, I know London obviously is a city, and then um, Europe. I mean, it's just so That's many the different continent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so, what is Britain? And what is Great Britain? Is that the country? Yes, that's the country. Great Britain, and then UK, United Kingdom. I think includes. Yes. Ireland. That's the that's the confusion. <clears throat> UK yeah. and Great Britain are so Britain. Great Britain is part of the UK. Yes. Okay, but the UK exactly. encompasses more than just Great Britain. I think it also includes Ireland and Scotland. You know, I'm going to Google this, and if we're wrong, I'll edit it out. But if we're right, I'll keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sure like um, Je- remember remember that Jessica Simpson? She was like, okay, so I know this is fish, but it's a chicken. Remember Chicken of the Sea? Classic 2003 reality. TV yeah, moment. I'm feeling like Jessica Simpson. I'm like, so is this chicken or is this fish? Because I know it says chicken of the sea. 
It's like, a I know someone's... <laughs> Anyway, thank God for my great American Stop upbringing. scaring away our British listeners. We need to <laughs> encourage them. <laughs> right? Exactly. Our great American upbringing where they didn't teach me anything but American stuff. Um, sorry. Do you want to take another question or do you think we're good? Uh, well, it's up to you. I can't talk. <clears throat> um, let's take one more again. All right. Go for it. So this is from... Well, I don't know if I should say your name. You think we should say, well, she says her name. Okay. Hey, Tracy. That's my sister's name. And I like the way you spell it Mm -hmm. with the IE. Hello, ladies. Let me start with, I love your show. Love you back. Even as a 52-year-old woman. Okay, Tracy. I've learned so much. So thank you. I have two sons. One is a recent graduate, college grad, and the other a high school sophomore. There are many resources. Are there any resources or tools you could recommend for young people to help them understand or start gaining um, knowledge on financial matters. I know my sons are different levels in um, in life currently. My 23-year-old just got his first big boy job. Oh, such a mom. Um, but he can't start contributing to the company's 401k until he's been there a year. Uh, should he open an I, a Roth IRA in the interim? Well, so she has two questions. So one, resources for her sons. And two, the Roth IRA question. You want to take, can I take number one? You take number two? Go for it. So number one, I would say for your 23-year-old son, so even though, you know, I know I speak to like women, you know, but the the, the knowledge is the same. What I would suggest for him um, is, um, so I've got five Live Richer Challenges and he can pick one that's based upon like where his um, needs are. So there's the fundamentals if he wants to learn everything. There's the, these are all free. There's the savings edition, the credit edition, the net worth edition, and just most recently the home buying edition. So for your son who's 23, I likely would just tell him to start with the um, fundamentals. Um, and if he goes to livericherchallenge.com, he can find it. What I like is that I, I created it with the knowledge that you likely didn't have any knowledge other than how to read, write, add, and subtract. So it's really going to walk him through the basic fundamentals of financial education. Um, and it's really perfect for someone who's in their 20s. Um, now for your high school sophomore that's a little bit harder i'm not gonna lie um hmm. tend to resist these things <laughs> yes i don't know unless he's interested you know um then i don't know that there's a tool that i know that's like super effective quite honestly for high school sophomores but what i will say is that it's less about some sort of like because your son who is 23 is going to be more open because he's like making money now and he has a job but the sophomore, to me, I think it'd be more at-home things. Um, I'm not sure if you give your sophomore any allowance, but um, teaching him budgeting with the allowance, showing him the household bills. So like, I feel like with the, the high school student, showing him real life in action as it relates to your money, that's what my dad did for me. He would take, for example, the electric bill from the month before and the current electric bill and highlight each of the, the balances so we could see month to month if it was going up or down and what did that mean. Um, if you have family meetings, we used to have family meetings like once a week or once every week. And we would talk about the state of the family's finances. So to me, for your sophomore, um, just financial conversations and allowing him to see you navigate as an adult in the household with the finances, I think would be helpful. And for your son, your older son, like I said, the, um, the live richer challenges, just one at a time though, because it sends a daily email. That's a good thing. It's, it's digital. It'll send a daily email with the course. So it's, um, the fundamentals is a five-week course, but the other ones are three-week courses. So just choose one 
And um, you could do it actually alongside him. That might be actually good. That way you guys can talk about it weekly and what he learned and, and what he has questions about. Yeah, when so, you're 15, you can get a part-time job, I think, right? I think I had a job at 15, 16. Mm-hmm. But well, I think you, by 14, you can get working papers and work. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Real life is where you get a teenager. If it's real life to that real money. So start, I mean, and also what's real is the threat of not being able to do what your friends are doing. So, you know, oh, you want to go on spring break? Well, here's how much you need to save and get a job to save it. That can be one way you teach. And then I feel like schools have maybe gotten a little bit better than this. And if they haven't, maybe your community college or your high school counselor might know where you can find some trainings on student loan debt and like how to plan for the cost of college. Because 15 is like the sweet spot to start planning, I feel like, for college expenses and scholarships and grants and stuff. So that could be a good opportunity to talk to him about, you know, how he's going to help himself through college. That's a good one. So question number two for you, Mandy, is that her 23-year-old, you know, just got his first job, but he can't contribute to his 401k. Should he open a Roth IRA while he waits? That's not a bad idea, but I would ask, you know, has your 23-year-old saved up enough for an emergency fund first? Does he have, you know, three to six months worth of expenses set aside for... What if the job doesn't work out or his car breaks down? I would say that's the first priority. And then after that, you know, let's say he already has it. He already has an emergency fund saved and he's still, you know, kicking in a little bit of money. And there's no reason not to do that. It might even help him get in the mindset where he's automatically saving um, for retirement so that when he does have access to his 401k, he's already used to saving that money and he's not going to suddenly miss it or feel like he's, you know, losing out on something by finally having to save for his retirement fund. So not a bad idea. Yeah, I like that. You're right. Getting him used to not having that money. Smarty-arty. Yes, it sucks. But like the, the sooner you can get used to not having that money in your bank account, like auto saving, um, I just feel like I'm always a broke college kid because I make myself broke by tricking mm. myself. It's all manipulation. No, it's smart. So I hope these answered your questions. Tracy with an IE. You know what? I like that. Um, so we are good on questions. If you have questions, you can always go to brownambitionpodcast.com dot com or hit us up at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Dot com. Yes. Now it's time to booster breaker, booster breaker, booster break. Well, that was a little better tone in the beginning. See that? Says you. <laughs> <laughs> Mandy is a hater. She can't Sorry. give me my props. You see, like my I had tonal voice control. The tone was just right. It wasn't pitchy. Woo! See, that's okay. Throwing shade from my deathbed. <laughs> I like. <laughs> I can sing better with my throat gone. I hope it's I'm okay. blessed to be an old crotchety lady. Oh yes, me too. I'm actually looking forward to it. Like, remember my old lady name is Wanda, mm-hmm. and I just feel like Wanda got something for these kids out here in these streets. I think I'm a Gretchen. Oh, I can see that. I, just, I feel I just like you know I'm not really much of a cusser, but for some reason I feel like Wanda has a potty mouth. I think I read something that says people who curse, yours truly included. It's like you're smarter or better at life. I don't know if that was the exact <laughs> finding. <laughs> like, something like that. Like you're more so you're more intelligent. Like, I don't know. Just let oh one slip God. once in a while. It lets off some steam. <laughs> it says she's not smarter or better at life. And that means Superman must be the smartest and the bestest <laughs> because he has potty now. I'm like, do you have to just curse in just regular conversation? 
It's like, <laughs> shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So are you going to boost or are you going to break? I'm going to do a very short boost before my, okay. my, my voice dies on me or I start hacking okay. again. Let me do a quick boost because I have been using and abusing my new discovery, which is Whole Foods Prime Delivery. I don't know. When is Amazon going to stop with these perks? Because I I get free two hour delivery from Whole Foods whenever the heck I want it, and I don't have to pay anything for it except for a tip. And I like I just don't get it. But it's all included if you're like a Prime member. And I'm like, but is this? And I've I've done it three times in the same week. <laughs> um, it's amazing. Yeah. So shout out to that. If you're a Prime member, go to Amazon.com and you might see a Whole Foods tab and put in your zip code and see if you're eligible because it is magical if you are. I think because mind you, Whole Foods is just down the street, and I am a Prime member. So, have you used it before? No. So this is like I. I so food delivery. I'm assuming you're meaning like groceries. So what I mean is like I order online at Amazon.com. I shop Whole Foods, and then okay. I hit deliver in a two hour window. And it's usually like like I woke up at 10 a.m. and I had food delivered by 1 p.m. Um, oh my gosh. And it was free. And they just show up in Whole Foods bags. Like someone at Whole Foods packs your stuff. It's not like Postmates or what's it called? Instacart, where you're kind mm. of sending an Uber driver kind of person in to shop for you. It's someone in the store. So I found that like, because with Instacart, people were picking me nasty produce or like produce that wasn't ripe. And I found okay. that like the Whole Foods quality has been a little bit better. Because it's you, like people who work there. Yeah. And you track them through the app. As far as I know. Actually, I should probably look okay. into that, but I'm pretty sure it's happening in Whole Foods and then someone's like picking it up and taking it. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I've been really happy with it so far, except for the fact that I think I'm buying things just to be doing it, which is probably <laughs> not a good idea. You but... said, bring it to me. Yes. <laughs> just leave it at the door. Nice little paper bags. You can recycle them. Well, I'm just going to take a little bit of a break because of sadness. Poor Payless is going out of business. What's happening in this world that Payless can't survive? Poor went out for Payless. Yes. I can't believe, like, honestly, I, you probably are too young for this because, you know, you millennials. For those of you who are a woman of a certain age and, you know, Jamal, you too. Um, remember when Payless used to be called Fava? Oh, yes. That's how old I am. Fava! I didn't know they had a previous life. <laughs> yes. It used to be called Fava. And when I was a kid, that's when my mom used to take us for shoes. And then it became Payless. And it was a little like, you know, seemed a little jazzier, but it ain't nothing but favor. So, yeah, I just can't believe Payless. Is, I mean, it's, you know, maybe it'll have another iteration. Maybe it'll be another company. But that's just crazy. But from what I hear, this Sunday, they're actually having a huge liquidation sale. So if you had your eye on a snazzy little number at Payless, now's the time to go get it. I don't know if they have snazzy numbers. But they do. They do have all my grandma's <laughs> coins from my childhood. My, my grandma Ruby, before she passed, she was only fifty six when she passed. God rest her soul. Um, but I think I was six years old. But she used to take me when I visited her. You know, I think I went. To, I was going to church or something, and she did not approve of my footwear. So she took me to Payless. I'll never forget the little ballet flats with the little straps on them that she purchased for me at Payless. They came for all my childhood brands: Sears. <laughs> Like yeah. I would, I, I mean, I lived in the Sears plus size section, I have to say. Hello, big girls out there. Yes, that was me. Oh, Sears. <laughs> yeah, I remember Sears used to sell everything. I mean, you would go in there for a washer dryer yeah. and, and a t-shirt. And get your car fixed and get the Sears portrait. Who, do, who doesn't <laughs> yeah. have a Sears family portrait? <laughs> I know. And you can get a tire. Like just everything at Sears. Yeah, no, you're right. They they have come for all of our faves, but I just can't believe Payless. I'm like, I feel like they were just in the news. I mean- 
Toys are I don't us. know. What did millennials kill Payless? You know how they like to blame me for Probably. everything. Millennials, you did this. I blame you. And I think there's just better stuff online. Like I think the I think it's really the symptom of the mall. I feel like Payless, there's always that one Payless in the malls, and malls are not that hot anymore. It's just yeah. people's shopping habits are changing. And I think people have better, you know, taste now. <laughs> no uh, offense. I mean, it not if Fashion Nova has anything to say. Have you heard of Fashion Nova? No. I Mandy. Fashion Nova. Honestly, what someone is it? grab Mandy's millennial Wait, is card. Is that the Cardi B thing? No, well, yeah, but everyone, it's like it's like the um hmm. Like uh Rainbow. You know Rainbow, right? Like um oh, you know, I'm trying to think it's like these Mandy like these, like you know, like yeah, Mandy, yeah. So it is the Mandy's and Rainbow of the internet, but it's huge. Like everybody, Fashion Nova fit all the celebrities, all the stars, whatever they like. I guess they like you know hawk Fashion Nova, but it's become a huge brand. I read somewhere um, that Fashion Nova, Fashion Nova was the number one um, googled um, fashion brand above Gucci, above all the rest. Isn't that crazy? It's a it's, you know, um, an eight, not even an eight. I think it's over, you know, a billion dollar a year business. Something crazy, uh, the, the guy who started it. But, um, you know, Fashion Nova, it's huge. But it's also kind of like, you know, um, cheapy clothes that are like semi-quality-ish, I guess. Um, and so, I mean, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I know a lot of people actually like some Fashion Nova stuff that they're like, no, the tights were really cute or the jeans fit good or whatever. Um, but they're not like a super um, expensive or anything like that. So I just feel like, wow, if y'all like Fashion Nova, why don't you like Payless? Is it because I think it's the, the, name? I, the image? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the brand I is think, just not sexy anymore. Yeah, well, I don't know that it was ever sexy, even with Favor. I don't think it was sexy. But who wants to get me. shoes? I mean, it wasn't cool when I was a kid to have Payless shoes. <laughs> like it's a sentimental for me, but no one like I was lame. You know, my like knock yeah, they off. call them dun dun dun. That's what they used to call them back in the day. Like, oh, <laughs> really? you got those da dun da dun on? And you know why? <laughs> the boys would do the same thing, like, and I'm like, because I don't know why, but it was just funny for them to do that. I'm like, leave me, leave, me, leave my shoes alone. Um, or, or pumpkin seeds. That's what they used to call back in the day. I'm dating myself. Some year, because oh, like they're like the shoes would be so flat. You ever see a pumpkin seed? It's like flat and round. Yeah, I know what they look like. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> specific like. insult. I mean, I'm impressed by the <laughs> eight-year-old who knows what a pumpkin seed is. I know. What? Pumpkin <laughs> seeds were delicious. But anyway, yeah. see you later, Payless. Hopefully, we'll catch you on the flip side. Pour a little pour, pour a little, a little wine out for Payless. Well, actually, water, because Payless can't afford wine. I am checking out Cardi B's Fashion Nova collection right now. Okay. It's very, I mean, I wouldn't wear this to work. Let's just put it that way. Yes, but they have a, the thing about Fashion Nova. They've got like tights, they've got jeans, they've got a bunch of stuff. They've got everything. Uh, awesome! I just can't believe you have not heard of Fashion Nova. I'm like, I, I have, I have. I knew the Cardi B thing. I didn't even Google it. I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I haven't shopped there. I'm terrible. I just, I've literally just still shop at the Gap. I just don't know anything different than when I was 16. No, honestly, me. Yeah. I shop at like literally Target is my go-to, one of my go-tos, and so is Marshalls, and that's like it. I don't even. I can't like, with those Marshall racks, so I got to be in the right mood. Yeah, I, right I but mood. it's fun. Like, well, let me not, let me not lie. My sister Tracy normally goes, and then she'll call me over. It's like I found some cute things come, and I'm like, oh, I I used to love shopping. I was a man. I was a Mandy's girl. Okay, I spent my whole fifteen year old check at Mandy's every two weeks for babysitting. There is nothing wrong with you no longer doing that. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I'd be worried if you did. But yeah, so I no longer enjoy shopping. <laughs> uh, anyway, this was funsies. Let's do it again next week. What do you say? Let's let's do it. Why not? 
<laughs> and please send us your tax questions because we will have a tax expert on the show probably in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I bid you adieu and feel better. Oof, thank you. I made it. Without my voice. All right. Thank you for holding down the questions. Couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Have a good week. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.